0: This is the second episode of Making It Grain with Morgan Seger. Let's go. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Making It Grain. I'm your host, Morgan Sager, and today I have a special friend of mine, Ryan Lingenkamp, on the podcast to talk through his family garden and some of their secrets on making the best sauerkraut. I think you're going to love this. Let's get right into it.
1: Let's try this. Can you hear me?
0: Yes. This dark county internet. (laughs) It sucks. Okay. So today on the show, we have Ryan Langenkamp. And Ryan is one of my best friends. We go way back. We met in college. And um, we were neighbors in college, actually, but really became friends when we interned for the same company and spent hours together in what we affectionately called the think tank. Welcome to the show, Ryan.
1: Welcome to the Think Tank.
0: Welcome to the Think Tank. So the Think Tank was your truck. I don't yes. remember why we started calling it that.
1: Well, we had these all, all these ideas, I think, when we were driving that we should pitch to Winfield, but we didn't know what to do. So <laughs> I think it just became the Think Tank. And then we had this conspiracy theory that they were listening to us. So <laughs> that's why we called it the Think Tank, giving them all these great ideas.
0: We did have a lot of really good ideas. We were super ambitious. We were. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, one of my favorite memories or our least favorite memories is, do you remember when we signed the South Charleston Answer Plot in 2009 or 10? When yeah. we ran out of posts like halfway through and went and found posts at all of the different locations? And then painted like half of them (laughs) so like if you if for the listeners if you've ever been driving around in the country before and you drive past like signs in the fields those are seed companies advertising um, their seed so the sign goes on the top you pound it in like two or three feet we just painted the middle part
1: Because they all didn't match. No, they (laughs) didn't match. One was green and one was white.
0: And we didn't have paint and we didn't know how many of each we were going to have. And so the funniest part about all of that is that we both left that territory before the end of the summer. So when the new guy pulled them all out, he was so mad that he had multicolored
1: posts. yeah, (laughs) multicolored painted posts.
0: That was so much work. It was like we 150 we posts. We were right out
1: of college, I'm pretty sure, yeah.
0: <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. So why don't you tell um, the listeners a little bit about your background? I know you have some dairy background and you're also an avid gardener, which I think is fantastic.
1: Yeah, so um, I uh, graduated Ohio State with Morgan and I graduated in 2010 and with an animal science degree um, My family, uh, my uncle in particular, um, had a dairy farm, and I grew up showing dairy cows. Um, And my first original, I guess, um, job out of school, you know, or internship was located around the dairy industry. Um, And then after applying for Winfield, I moved to Iowa for what seemed to be for, I think, five, six years. Um, And after that, I moved back for four years at Winfield, and now I'm currently employed as a crop insurance agent with Farm Credit Mid-America, so um, kind of had different roles, uh, both most of them in the seed industry since 2010, but um, yeah, so I am an avid gardener, (laughs) Uh, still learning a lot. This is almost year five of starting a garden, I think, four or five. Um, it's kind of started uh, when I moved back from Iowa into and bought my current house, um, and really when me and my wife started uh, dating, we kind of started this garden and ambition of having this large garden for to help feed our, I guess, family of the future. And now it's kind of grown into something we enjoy doing with our family um, as a family, and um, and it feeds you know, myself, uh, my grandparents, um, my parents, they, and my brothers. So we kind of grown a lot of stuff uh, anywhere from tomato plants, all the way to sweet corn, zucchini, um, asparagus. We love asparagus and we got a raspberry um, patch that we might, Oh, I don't know how many generations we've had a raspberry patch, but it's multi-generation multi Kind of been transplanted several times but anyways that's yeah, awesome so we've uh yeah
0: so is your whole family's garden now basically at your house
1: no <laughs> so we've uh so my first original garden um it was the the couple who lived here's garden originally and i think they even had a smaller one off to the side of the house that i actually planted in grass um, but they had two gardens here, I think. And the original one that I've started with for the last three years, uh, was down in a really low spot. And with last year's spring, we decided to kind of move it onto ha- some higher ground. Um, so we started a new one this year. Um, but it's a little bit smaller than our ones we've had, um, in the last couple years, just because, um, we just felt like it was very. It was a lot for us having just a couple having a toddler and a a newborn it's just it's a lot of work, and trying to keep up with it was hard and we just thought maybe scaling down for a little bit and just kind of focus on key things that we eat um, uh, but my family my mom has a very like small five by five that she she just likes like zucchini plants, tomatoes um, lettuce those type of things uh, just little things that um she can kind of grow there locally and pick that she doesn't have to come over here to our house, which is about seven minute drive to come get. Um, and my grandpa decided this year, this was the second year that he's not planted a garden. Uh, my grandpa's 80 some years old, planted the garden for pretty much his entire life, um, until last year. So, uh, he's, uh, so this year he's going to do a couple tomato plants and, um, pepper plants and then, um, at his house in like pots so but my brothers um they just bought houses or one's building a house one just bought a house so they've kind of uh started their own little gardens too so it's kind of interesting our garden got smaller which is good (laughs) um and other people's (laughs) is getting started too so we'll see who survives since most of them are new
0: (laughs) do you have any competitions going on
1: no no
0: No. Well, I mean, I I feel like it makes a lot of sense to plant what you're actually going to use and then like share whatever is extra. I always thought it would be really cool with like a family that was cool. My family lives a couple hours away now, but um, like with Bonnie, my mother-in-law, she lives down, not too far down the road from us. And like we each plant a couple of things and then just share. I think that would be cool. But I remember – Um, talking with you. And like, it felt like in the summer, you were always going over to help your grandpa with his garden.
1: That's really what started. Um, So both of my grandparents, you know, um, my grandma lived right next door. My grandpa lived uh, four houses down or three. Um, And anytime we were over at my grandparents, um, especially my grandpa he was always in the garden or we were always helping him in the garden. Um, and that's really where I've learned a lot of my stuff between him and my grandma. Um, unfortunately my grandma Lingenkamp, um, who lived right beside us, um, passed away before, you know, I moved back to uh, Ohio, but, and never really got to learn a lot. But when we were kids, we always spend a lot of time with her in our garden. Um, uh, you know, mounding potatoes. If you've ever mounted potatoes, it's not fun. <laughs> that's why we don't plant potatoes at our house. Um, <laughs> but and picking potato bugs and 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 just hoeing the garden it was just our job to help her um when she was at home um and we enjoyed it to go hoe a garden it was a lot of fun you look back on it and you learn a lot Um, but my grandpa's taught me a lot from a gardening standpoint just from when to plant things when to harvest things and um, i still rely on him and i still you know when we had this last freeze i'm like hey grandpa should i cover our berry our raspberry bush you know i i don't think it needs it but i still rely on him to kind of help do stuff he's kind of our gardening expert as i call it um his grandma or his mom had a garden and they always had stuff you know that generation always had a garden and that's how they fed their family i mean for the whole year was by canning stuff and and making sauerkraut and all those fun things
0: yeah so um I'm going to need some lessons on mounding potatoes because I have potatoes planted. Um, they're currently part of pumpkin mountain, which I think I told you about is where we've planted all the random stuff that we thought, you know, might spread a little bit too big for our regular garden. Um, yeah, so I might need some help there. Do you guys do any preserving?
1: We do, um, green beans and then we, we freeze, uh, do freezer corn and then, um, a lot of sauerkraut. Um, my family's big sauerkraut family. Um, uh, my grandpa always makes sauerkraut every year. Um, we're bound to about every other year because we just don't go through it like we used to. And it's, uh, sometimes it just depends. Cabbage are tough to, they're easy to raise, but tough to determine when to harvest. Um, and then bugs can get them pretty quickly too. Um, mm. So hopefully, we didn't have anything last year because they all kind of went bad on me really quickly. Um, and we had a lot of worms um, that got, I mean, our garden was, was a mess last year. We didn't really get much out of it other than sweet corn, tomatoes and zucchinis um, and some lettuce. But it uh, this year, I think we've gotten the hang of how we're going to raise some cabbage. This is like year four. And I think we finally maybe know how to do it. Who knows? Any,
0: any tips for me? Because I have three cabbage plants and I've never planted cabbage before.
1: So um, some people are, I mean, some people, you know, it just depends on what you want to do. So I've read this year, uh, we're going to try a little bit of everything. Um, so I use seven dust uh, to kind of dust things um, to at, at key times because you don't want worms to get into them and bugs because ultimately that will just ruin your cabbage. But I've planted marigolds close by and they say marigolds are really good for your garden in general, um, they, they just, the more I've read, my grandpa's not told me this, but this is just me reading some things is they're just a natural deterrent for insects. So having them in your garden is kind of like a beneficial, um, things. So we planted them every other. So I'm thinking the more I should have read, should have planted a row of them and then, um, not really planted them really close, but we'll see if that works. Awesome. We'll keep some stuff away.
0: Plus, you'll have flowers.
1: Yeah. Olivia loved planting them, so she, she helped plant those. So that's kind of trying to get her into helping a little bit. That was kind of fun.
0: Now, you're starting most of the stuff in your garden from seed, right, at your own house?
1: I've noticed that it's a lot easier to control um, how many plants you want. and I don't know. I just feel like they're cheaper um, than buying just a regular plant. And then typically I want more than just three. Grandpa would always start them for me, but now I've started starting them myself. Cabbage, um, I go buy cabbage. Some things I've learned that you just, I tried the first year that I tried gardening, you just trying to start everything yourself. uh, It's not worth the hassle. It's easy just to go buy your cabbage and and call it good. Um, So that's what we do with our cabbage. We try and buy them really small. and then we buy in a late flat Dutch, which is what my grandpa swears by for um, basically making sauerkraut, the best sauerkraut, as he says.
0: Do you have like a special recipe?
1: Like no, of how you do it? This is, this is crazy. So, and I've had a lot of people ask me about this uh, sauerkraut recipe. It literally goes off the taste of it, you literally take like cheese graters grated up. I want to say the cabbage and it's all you mash it and you just get a good mash and good brine on it. And it's salt. That's all that's in it. And you let it sit for my grandpa still does that. That's the one thing I wanted to learn this year is that I want to be able to know when it's done, but it sits Mm -hmm. for so long in the garage. Um, sounds terrible, smells terrible, but (laughs) at the end you get this really good tasting sauerkraut.
0: Can I come over when you guys make sauerkraut?
1: Yeah, we do it at my grandparents. I don't know. I talked about doing it at our house this year because I really wanna. I really want to do it from start to finish. So my grandpa has a stomper. Like there is legit like things you have to use. There's a stomper. We have a wood stomper that is literally hand carved out of wood that we stomp the and make the mash. Um, it's pretty cool, handed down from my great grandma. And then there's a stone we set on top of the um, so we, the sauerkraut, you put in a five gallon bucket and then you put a, basically some leaves on top and then you put a plate and then you put a rock on top to keep it weighted down. So it doesn't come up and boil out. You want to keep the air out of it as much as you can. So that rock puts weight on it. That rock is also handed down. Like it's like my grandpa says, it's like the perfect rock because it's flat.
0: It's a sauerkraut <laughs> but it's rock.
1: It's not like, rock. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, just the things that, um, you know, the generations of things that are there that you don't think about, but things that like I want to talk, teach my kids to do and vice versa. Yeah. It's kind of cool, cool little family story.
0: That's awesome.
1: So my grandpa always, my grandma and grandpa always did all the canning for us. It seemed like um, my mom would have a garden. Um, they would always do it during the day. Um, So the canning part of it is where we struggle. Um, We're really starting to learn a lot of how to can. Um, I will say uh, my grandma's pressure canner, it scares me to death (laughs) some days, but um, it's also kind of a big staple in getting, you know, what we we did a lot of juice last year, tomato juice, Um, but we've done um, green beans actually in our uh, Instapot. Um, I oh, read a lot yeah. of things that you can't do it. And then there's people that say you can. We've had these green beans for about two years now. And I feel like they're really good still. And they canned really well. The, the seal was good. So I feel um, that we can at least can our green beans in there.
0: Hi, I didn't realize you could can an in Instapot.
1: Yeah, it's – there's hit and miss. There's certain ones. Um, we bought one that after looking at it, it was – Uh, the wrong one to buy, there's supposedly there's one that gets a higher pressure and that's really what you want. Mm. Um, But yeah, you can cannon, I would say mechanically driven (laughs) pressure canner versus what the old, you know, cookers were. Yeah. The
0: one that we have scares me too. Like my mom telling me stories about how horrible they can be scares me to death. (laughs) (laughs) Actually had me scared to use my own Instapot for regular cooking for a while.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just gotta. It's very time. You have to build up the pressure. You have it. it it's a lot of time. What's nice about doing the green beans in the InstaPot is you can just put them in, leave, come back, and it's done. Um, and I have to write it down because I can never remember from year to year what the time that we put it in for. So we've kind of started kind of just like a recipe book of things that we do to kind of keep us kind of in check a little bit to remember because I'm like. All you can do is test and make sure, hope that it's good. And like I said, we haven't died, so. <laughs> well, I'm,
0: I'm sure you're doing a good job, but that, that's always my biggest fear too, is that I'm doing something wrong and that I'm going to like hurt someone. So Ben and I usually test all the food first <laughs> before we and feed I- it to our kids. So with us, we go through one can of green beans in a meal pretty easy. So, I'm so I was so excited to put our beans out and they all got eaten by corn seed maggots. So oh. back to your whole, you learned when would be a good time to plant and harvest. I got so excited that when Bonnie helped me work some ground out, I planted everything that I had. Most of it has already died and I'm going back for round two, but I'm learning. Also with um, this COVID stuff going on, Last week, I think, was the first time from the grocery store I was able to get canned green beans, and I still haven't been able to get canned fruit. So like I know for some people, this is probably not a huge deal, but for a family with a bunch of little kids, like I can't give them fresh stuff all the time without going to the grocery store a couple of times a week, and now that we're trying not to do that, canned stuff is really important to us, and if mm-hmm. we can't get it at the store, like it makes doing this that much more valuable.
1: Yeah, I don't think we bought corn for. Gosh, since we've been married, so.
0: So, what do you do with your corn to keep um, earworms off?
1: I don't really do anything. We just plant our our sweet corn, and then we put a little bit of uh, we put a little bit of nitrogen with it last year. It really helped uh, fill the ears. My in-laws farm, so we got a little bit of uh, liquid in from them and put them in okay. the middle of the row. And but as far as earworms, uh, we've never really had issues with them. There, they do come. I mean, it's just a natural thing. But we just mm-hmm. we cut it out and eat it.
0: Right. That's what I figured we would do too. So there you go. (laughs) Now I noticed, um, last year when we were at the fair that you were still working in the dairy barns. Can you share a little bit about what you're doing as far as work in the dairy industry still?
1: Yeah. So, um, like I said, I've always been kind of, uh, a dairy background person. And I've always kind of supported the dairy industry. Yeah. So last year was my first year at the Dart County Fair that I was the dairy superintendent for the dairy barn. So I'm in charge of the dairy barn, the dairy side of the cattle barn. And it's been a real good, I guess, community activity that I've done. I donate everything that I make, you know, they pay me. um, And I donate that all back to the 4-Hers just because um, that's not why I'm doing it. I'm doing it for the kids. And hopefully one day my kids will want to do something in that barn or a barn at the fair. Um, So it's, to me, it's just supporting, you know, what kind of raised me and got me to where I am today. Um, I would have never told you in a million years that I'd be doing this, but it's a lot of fun. And just getting to interact with producers that are still dairy farming and interacting with fairgoers.
0: That's awesome. I, I think it's so cool to see people who are kind of raised up through 4-H and FFA, staying involved, getting back involved to help out the kids and, and stuff like that through you know, volunteering your time and, and things like that at the fair. I think that's awesome.
1: I give my boss a lot of credit on that because I was kind of hesitant about taking on something outside of my everyday life. <laughs> you know, we have two young kids now and it's a lot of extra added stress for not only me, but my wife that week. My boss encouraged me to to look at it and really think about doing it. And I'm glad I'm doing it because it's it's worth it.
0: I mean, you're doing it for the youth with the dairy cattle, but you're also doing it for the families like mine that are walking around with snow cones and just want to show their kids the cows. It's it's definitely a little bit more glamorous than what you would see on the farm being at the fair, but it's still a very real look into what's going on in modern agriculture.
1: Well, what's interesting is, so a little bit more backstory on me. I was intending to go to college for landscape design. So I've always kind of been into like the gardening, landscaping, uh, scene since really uh, high school. But um, I was sitting at the state fair, and someone walked up and said, "Brown cows make brown milk," and that's kind of what got me, I guess, into the animal science industry, into the ag industry a little bit more. And education's a big part of what I do on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we just take it for granted if we grow up with it. You know, we kind of assume that you know, it's common knowledge that everyone would know this stuff. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see pictures of Olivia getting dirty in the garden. And I'm going to wait till this fall to steal some of those raspberries, especially now that I know they're like legacy raspberries. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Literally. um, My grandpa said that my grandma had them, my great grandma had them. um, And he's not sure if anybody had them before then, but he's transplanted to his house. And what's really cool is my mom has some, um, and then we started some, gosh, when I bought this house, my grandpa transplanted a bunch of raspberries for me. And it's kind of grown into this nice little patch for us that Olivia loves to eat right off the, right <laughs> off the vine, which is really fun.
0: Thank you so much for taking time to be on the Making It Grain podcast. I appreciate it.
1: And we will talk soon. Not a problem. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. If you want to learn more, go to myheartandsoil.com or check out the show notes on makingitgrain.com. Thanks for tuning in. Why did it pick and the chicken toss world I don't know why.
1: Because we're trying to eat to other side.
0: Like <laughs>